You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. Sit on down at the 9-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. We are the podcast for fans, by fans, as we get towards the end of this calendar year and sit smack dab in the middle of the offseason. You may be thinking all about Christmas, but your basement could still flood at any moment. Yeah, there's a pleasant thought for you this week, right? Uh, here's the deal. If you're worried... <laughs> Make sure that you reach out to Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you have foundational issues, you know, give yourself a present. Get yourself a free estimate. Uh, They're family-owned, they're veteran-owned, they're female-owned. A portion of the proceeds go to veteran first responder organizations. And they're big White Sox fans and big supporters of Sox in the Basement. Signed on now to be the sponsors in 2021 because they had so much fun with all of us in 2020. FAMWS.com or get that phone number off of the label right there on your screen. Your podcast player shows it in the bottom right-hand corner on the Socks in the Basement logo. Contact Family Waterproofing Solutions. Ed, my friend, you put up a new article with the focus on the White Sox getting yet another Cuban prospect that's going to slot in their top 10 in their organization. It's Cespedes over Colas. Baseball America's Ben Badler reporting first that the White Sox have agreed to a $2 million bonus with the outfielder. They do not have enough international money to sign both Cespedes and Colas. So Colas would have to wait until 2022 to sign with the White Sox or he'll be signed by somebody else. And also joining us on the show, Scott Merkin from MLB.com. Been on the show multiple times in 2020. We love talking to Scott because he's an insider. We're going to talk about the free agent market, what he thinks is actually going to happen, and his thoughts on Tony La Russa after he finally spoke with reporters just the other day, including Scott Merkin. We're going to talk to him. Before that, let's talk about this article, Ed. Yep. It's on the new blog that you've been doing lately at SocksInTheBasement.com titled Mismatched Socks, the Extra Socks in the Basement. Well, this week it covers uh, Joaquin Cespedes, our, our number one international prospect signee that's coming to the Sox in January when the signing period takes official. Uh, it's also a little bit of a hit on some uh, shopping list ideas for Rick Hahn in case he's doing some last minute Christmas shopping or some belated Hanukkah shopping for our, our fan base. Talk about why the trade market's so slow. I'm actually going to ask Scott Merkin about that if that's okay. And then I am going to start my list of things that worry me about the White Sox, which includes Lucas Giolito's arm, which I know Chris has called me out on being a little bit too much of a worry ward about that or trying to jinx it or put some weird sort of hex on it. So. Yeah, after I yelled at you on the last show, James Fox sent me a text like, well, he did have Tommy John once. And I'm like, knock it off, all of you. I don't want the hex put on him. You put up the Christmas list for Rick Hahn with cheap yes. options. And I love the cheap options. You're like, well, if we're going to be frugal, how do we get things done frugally? And I thought this was incredible. The one I like the most is that, you know, I want Liam Hendricks. I, I think that you'll hear from Scott Merkin. He wants Liam Hendricks. And, Who doesn't uh, want Liam yeah, Hendricks? And Alex Calame wouldn't be the worst thing to have to fall back on. But you bring up Kirby Yates. I, there's a few other names you throw in there. But Kirby Yates isn't so bad. He wouldn't be a bad pickup. There's a lot of closers that are out there, right? Yates, everyone's scared off of Yates because he had 
some bone spurs last year in the shortened season. He didn't make it through more than a couple of innings for the Padres, but assuming he is healthy, assuming that his elbow is holding up, he was the closer in the major leagues for a couple of years. Even on a questionable Padres team a couple of years ago and, and, and two years before that, Kirby Yates was the man, right? He came in, he dominated, he was done. And if you're going to take a flyer on someone, if that's where, if, if the Sox really have this hard budget that they can't get over and you got to take a flyer on a closer, somebody that's other than the guys that you have here, I would be okay sitting there saying, hey, look, Kirby, come on in. Let's see how your elbow's doing. If you need a little time off, we'll we'll live with Evan Marshall as our closer. We'll, we'll try Cody Howard in that role for a little bit. Um, Aaron Bummer can close for a little while. And see if you get him down the stretch, you know? Because I'm more worried about, for the White Sox now, having a closer in the playoffs in fall 2021 than I'm really worried about them having a closer in April or May. It would just be nice to have that person and know that they're locked in and know that they're there, which is why Liam Hendricks would be preferable. Frankly, if if you're concerned that Liam Hendricks has only really been a closer for a couple of years, and before that he wasn't all that great— you could do worse than saying, hey, we're going to take the guy who most recently was one of the most dominant closers in the game, and we're going to run him out there and see what he still got with that, you know, lovely, lovely uh, split-finger fastball that he throws. And, you know, the elbow usually doesn't affect heat too much, so Yates might still actually have a lot of mileage left in him. And the other one, I'm not going to give away all of them that are in the article. You can check it out at SoxInTheBasement.com. I also love the bargain basement extra bat, Renato Nunez. That's a solid bottom bargain bin type guy you can go out and get. And the reason I say that is because we're always saying we need to find guys that can hit against righties and lefties. And he's pretty much the same in his splits. In fact, he's a little bit better against right-handed pitchers. He's got the OPS of 770, but he also has hit, it looks like three quarters of his home runs have come off of right-handed pitching. His OPS plus is over 100. He's a serviceable guy you can put into the lineup. He doesn't need to hit in the middle of the order. Like that extra bat, that DH, doesn't need to be in the middle of the order with all the bats that you have while you wait for Andrew Vaughn. I want more than him, but he'd be acceptable if the money was going someplace else. Good call. He got let go by the Orioles, which seems like, why would the Orioles let him go? But if you look at the Orioles, they're still paying Chris Davis to play first base. Uh, they called up Ryan Mountcastle, who's their top prospect, and he's going to play somewhere. Trey Mancini is their best hitter. He's a first baseman. He's coming back from cancer this year. They have better options at third because Nunez cannot field. He is Dr. Strange Glove 100 times over. He is a strictly a DH, and they just don't need him because they feel like they've got enough guys and they don't want to pay him because they're cheap and he's up for arbitration, so they non-tendered him. And if the Sox can get him for cheap and he is here for a year or two he's hit 43 home runs over the past season and a half if you count 2020 as a half season i'll take it i'll take it if it's cheap i'll you know if that's where you got to go if he's hitting seventh is that such a bad thing mlb.com scott merkin insider with the white Sox, going to be on here next on socks in the basement Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes. 
in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Joining me on the phone line right now from MLB.com, Scott Merkin, all-around good guy and insider for the White Sox. How are you, Merk? Good. I'm sitting here trying to figure out how Michigan got left out of the uh, college football Final Four, but haven't been able to decipher that yet. So I guess i got to just go with who they have there pretty much. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm also sitting around as an Illini grad yeah. trying to figure out why they're bragging that they're 18th in the nation in basketball when they started at 3 like, maybe they should have just put that post in their pocket this morning. It's an odd team, you know, and I look at that team, not to get too far off the baseball topic, but, you know, that, that really is a loaded team, but it's surprising. Like, I don't think Missouri is a tremendous team, right? And they beat them. I will say Rutgers is a really good basketball team, and Ron Harper Jr., who Chicago fans know his dad very well, is really coming into his own. But, you know, you, you I think if you're an Illini fan, uh, you're hoping that they're kind of like the Tom Izzo teams have passed. You know, Tom Izzo always would have with Michigan state would have a stretch where they, you know, have like about a six or seven game run where they weren't very good. And everyone's like, Oh, maybe they're a little overrated. And then by the time the big 10 tournament came around, they were, you know, rolling fire on all cylinders, but yeah, you know, it's a young team. It's interesting that they're, that they're five and three Michigan, by the way, is six and oh, just to add to the, add to the equation there. No, no. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. This will be a short interview if this continues. All right. So, so listen, it's a crazy off season. We've been talking about how slow it is and I was thinking to myself just the other day, I was like, when it gets to this point, I, I really don't want to sit around and try to look at these weird rumors. I, I'm at the point now where until I hear Scott Merkin talk about it, I'm not really going to believe it. And then I was like, well, I should call him and have him on the show. So that's why I appreciate you joining in the, today. Yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to a uh, mutual friend of ours, Mr. James Fox from Future Sox, and uh, I, I just rhymed there by accident, by the way. And we were... Uh, <laughs> We're discussing how they're really, you know, there's been some signings, obviously, but there's so many big names who, barring something happening in the next two days as, as we tape this, probably won't sign till the new year. And I, I get part of it's a function of what happened last year. Part of it's a function of what's the uncertainty of 21. And then, you know, the CBA expires, I believe, in December, if they don't get something done before then. But it's, it's very odd. I mean, last year, December was busy, and then January was pretty busy, too. So it'll be interesting to see where guys eventually land and play out and how the White Sox are involved in whatever's left. Mark, okay, so are we crazy in thinking that the trade market is slow? And if it is slow, is it because teams can't properly evaluate what they have in the minor league system because of the short 2020 and the lack of the minor league year? Or is it because the free agent market has pretty much what the trade market would have? Or are we just misreading the fact that we're not seeing a lot of trade rumors and a lot of solid trades being floated out there in the media? Yeah, I think it's slow, but I don't think it's that surprising. You know, if you go by what's been reported by the teams and by the league, it was not an easy season for them last year. So, you know, I think teams are crunching numbers and seeing 
if they can fit, you know, certain things into what certain things, certain players in to what they need. And yeah, you know, I mean, the evaluation thing, there was no minor league season. I get that. But I think people, you know, know what's going on with some of these players, especially ones who have been in the system for a while. I don't think anyone is like, you know, I've never heard of player X or player Y. There's got to, there's tape on them or they've been scouted by someone along the way. So I don't know about that, but I just think it's, it's very, you know, gradual developing, maybe more than slow, just because of what's been going on and trying to fit things into that. That's why I think, you know, Steve Cohn was an interesting, I think it was named right, right? The new, the New York Mets, uh, new Mets yeah, owner. The guy from the Mets who's got the billions and billions. Exactly. Yes. He was an interesting new person to this equation, partially because he's so wealthy, obviously, but also because he lost nothing last year, right? I mean, he was not involved with that team. So all he lost was whatever he lost or gained in his own personal business, but he lost nothing in relation to the sport. So he can go out maybe and spend a little more in this off season. But again, it's, it's just going to be interesting how it all kind of unfolds as it, as it goes. You know, I mean, you hear a few rumors here and there, but I mean, really, have, have you heard much about Trevor Bauer at this point, aside from what he's put on his YouTube channel, which I think he's just kind of having more fun than anything at this point. You know, you, I, I think we've started to hear a little more defined marketing on George Springer, but overall, you just, you know, I mean, you don't even, you don't hear a ton of rumors at this point, you know, whereas before, go back a year or two years, there were signings already taking place, quite a few signings, as a matter of fact. You got a chance finally to not only hear from the White Sox this week, but also hear from Tony LaRusso after the plea deal that we talked about on this show maybe about a week or so ago. And we explained on a previous show because my buddy Ed down here is an attorney mm-hmm. and he's dealt with DUIs. And he said, you know, 13 years in between him getting that plea deal, that's that's not or not or actually getting the charge knocked down. That's not unusual. Right. The Sox now able to kind of put a bow on this thing and move forward. And Tony got to talk. What was your feelings with, with him finally coming out and actually speaking on the matter. Uh, first of all, I would imagine it's, we're sorry, and let's move on and not talk about it, but was there anything you took from his uh, his talk with the media? No, he talked about it. I mean, I think he handled it the right way on what was obviously a, a bad transgression, whether it was a little over the limit or a lot over the limit, you just, you can't have that happen. You know, and he, he understood that. I mean, he's, this is this is a smart guy who made a bad mistake, and yet, you know, it's got to be recognized as that. And he talked about that and he talked about, you know, he, he owned it and put it, said it was nothing, but something brought on. It was, it was brought on completely by himself. He felt regret. He felt remorse. And he talked about, you know, changes in the, you know, coming forward and they're all kind of on him to make this happen. The Sox issued, you know, their team statement and did say, you know, in the midst of the whole statement, which supported Tony overall, that, you know, there is no third chance on this. There is no, or I guess second chance at the White Sox, but third overall, if you count the one from 13 years ago. But there is no next chance, you know. So he knows what's going on. The Sox know what's going on. And really, I mean, we've agreed it's a mistake. He said it's a mistake. You can't really legislate apologies, though, right, or explanations. If that's what he gave, I mean, the worst thing would have been for him to go on a a conference call saying, well, we haven't heard from him since he was hired on October 29th, which... You know, he explained it was partially because of legal reasons that he really couldn't talk. The worst thing would have been to go on and say, I'm not talking about it. It's none of your guys' business because it has become public business at this point. And he didn't do that. He came on. He talked about it. He gave a three-minute opening statement. He took probably five or six questions. And then actually talked baseball, too, and had some good answers on baseball. He seemed a little more, a little smoother in this conference call than he did on the opening Zoom back on October 29th. So I think in his mind... He's owned up to the mistake. He made a mistake. It's done now. You know, it's been handled. 
and now he's moving forward with baseball knowing that that can't happen ever again. Do the White Sox, uh, do they have a car service for him? Did somebody show him how to put Uber on his phone? Uh, is a man that's worth millions and millions of dollars, is he aware of the fact that he really doesn't need to drive himself anywhere? Because the last thing I want is strike three to happen when this team's on its way to a 90-win season in the postseason and the Sox are put in a bad situation. So, I mean, like, has anybody brought that up? Yeah, he mentioned all the options today. You know, he mentioned car service, Uber, Lyft, a friend of his. But then he did, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing the closing line, but it was something along the lines that if he has a glass of wine, he will not be driving and he said, if you see me driving, it means that I have not had anything to drink. So that pretty much sums it go. up, right? That's that's it in a nutshell right there. And, you know, I, I think people can react what they want. People can say that's fine. People can say, why is this even covered to begin with? People can say, we don't believe him. But the proof is going to be in what he does moving forward, right? And that that's all you can that's all you can go from at this point. Something else that he said, and I can't remember the exact quote, but he was asked whether or not his team was the odds-on favorite to win the division and make a run in the playoffs, and he poo-pooed that. He basically was like, no, nope, we're, not, we're not the favorites by any stretch, basically. Now, part of me felt like that's a veteran manager understanding he has a young team, and if he puts expectations on them like that, they could come out flat, they could put too much pressure on themselves. But on the other hand, it could also be a message of, hey, we're not done here, right? We're going to go out and sign some more players to the front office. Is it a little bit of both, or what do you think? Well, to be honest, I didn't think about the second subtext, which I guess it could be. I, I thought it was more just a pragmatic approach by a guy who's done this for, what, 33 years, right, and has won three World Series titles and I believe six pennants, and that you know he's not all about the preseason prognostications or the fact that they're going to win this many or that many or you know, I understand that, you know, the, the running comment from Rick Hahn and other people in the organization about, you know, talk to me after we win multiple titles is a great line to have. And it's a great goal to have. But, you know, the fact remains that no one's repeated in the American League since the Yankees back at, you know, 19, I think it was 98, 99, 2000. And then if you don't count the Giants, whatever it was, three and five years, three and six years, no one in the National League has repeated since the big red machine. So, I mean, it's a tough thing to do. And I think LaRusso was, Tony was just putting aside this, expectations predictions and saying we have a good team we've come for you know he talked about you know seeing the talent from above you knew what was coming with this rebuild and being around some of these guys he said at Camelback Ranch in Arizona he sees the camaraderie they have he sees the commitment to each other the accountability they have so he knows it's there but now he was stressing more about let's not worry about predictions let's do what we have to do to be ready and do what we have to do to be successful into October so I don't know, maybe he was suggesting that he, you know, uh, that there may be more to come, but I don't think it was, I don't think he's a subtext kind of guy because later on when he was asked about the closer situation, he talked about how the front office is working hard to get one right now. So I think it was more about just let's not worry about predictions. Let's not worry about expectations. Let's do what we have to do to maximize this talent, you know, all the way into October. When I look at this team right now, I can sit there and say to myself, the Lance Lynn move is a solid move. You yes. give yourself basically a number two starting pitcher. Who cares about how they acquired him? That's an upgrade. I'm happy with it. The Adam Eaton thing, some of us don't like his personality, and if the team wants to lower the years and lower the cost for a right fielder because they plan on using the money somewhere else, I'm fine with it. But the thing is, is that more salaries come off the roster in terms of the amount of guys they could have tendered uh, contracts to or, or re-signed that were free agents than they've actually added at this point. 
And I think Sox fans are saying, all right, that's great, but there's got to be more. Like, I count a closer. I think they need a fourth starter. I think it'd be great if they added a bat because you don't want to be counting on Andrew Vaughn being the DH. The guy's never hit above single A. And it wouldn't be a bad idea to get a Listella or a Jurgensen Profar as another piece that can move around the infield. Depth is key to 162-game season and deep runs into the playoffs because not everybody's going to be healthy all the time. Do the Sox get that or are they in trouble financially and we need to be worried that they won't fill all of those spots? I don't know about trouble financially, but I think, you know, they've been pretty honest. I think Jerry and the couple Jerry Reisman, the couple of articles that he's talked in. And I think, you know, others have said that, you know, it wasn't a bountiful year in 2020 because of COVID because of no fans in the stands and everything and 60 games played. So I kind of understand that. And I think they're not in financial trouble, but they're, they have a set budget. And, you know, they've known, been known to go over it in the past. Maybe that'll happen this year. But I think, you know, they have certain – to me, the most important thing they need to get is a closer. And I understand they have great young relievers and Aaron Bummer and Cody Hoyer and, you know, Jace Fry, maybe a little bit older, is Evan Marshall, and who am I forgetting down there? Garrett Crochet, uh, you know, Jimmy uh, Cordero. And uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting the name. Matt Foster, I guess, would be down there, too. So I understand that. Oh, no, they I have plenty. You, they have plenty of relief pitchers, but you need that guy at the end, right? If you add that, I, I, I still hold to the thought that there's nothing worse for a team in contention. Talk to the Cubs. You know, what's happened to them the last, not, not really last year, but the year before, the last full season. When you're a team that intends on winning, and not just winning, but going on and winning in October, the worst thing that can happen is two, three, four times where you go to the ninth inning, up seven to six, up four to two, and you end up losing those games. And it just, it changes the whole dynamic around. It changes the whole momentum around. Now I'm not saying Aaron Bummer can't be a first rate closer. I think he will be. I think Garrett Crochet may someday, if he doesn't, you know, go into the starting rotation at some point, may end up being a, a high end closer, but with so many out there and, you know, Liam Hendricks is the one who's been focused upon. And I think he'd be a great ad, but with so many other guys out there, Colome is still there. Trinan is still there. Uh, Trevor Rosenthal is still out there. With the number available, I think, you know, if you don't, if Liam Hendricks is your choice and you don't get him, it shouldn't mean that you're done. I think you need to go after and get someone else. And that way, you know, maybe he starts as the closer, but maybe it gives you options that Bummer can close or Hoyer can close. You have all sorts, or Crochet can close. You have all sorts of guys to go to. And I agree with you, they probably need a, another bat to mix in that could serve some time at DH, but also play around the. Infield, but you're talking about utility guys like Lestel and all that. I, you know, they do have Danny Mendick right now. They signed Tim Beckham. He was like the first move in the offseason I think they made. I think they're going to give him a chance. So, you know, I, I think, and, and I do think another veteran starter will be added in somewhere in there. Now, I don't know if he'd be, you know, a fourth type or a fifth type where you can use him as a starter. And then when Michael Kopech, you know, assuming he starts in the minors, is brought up, he can move to the middle relief or spot starter. But I mean, I wouldn't, in terms of rotation, I wouldn't give up on Dylan Cease. You know, I think Dylan, I mean, not give up. That's silly to say the guy's made 26 career starts, right? So you can't give up on a guy who's made 26 career starts. But I think you're going to see a, a great deal of improvement. And this is taking nothing away from Don Cooper, who was a pitching coach last year and for many years before that. Kurt Hassler is back, obviously, as assistant pitching coach. But I think him and Ethan Katz, the new pitching coach, have already started. I, I know this. I talked to him. have already started kind of working towards this year. And he seems to be in a groove already. And we're only in December. So I think there are a lot of options within, and that was the whole point of this rebuild, to not have to go out and fill every spot from outside that you'd have the opportunity to fill from within and make some key moves elsewhere. But I, I agree with you. I think Lance Lynn is a huge acquisition because just look at game three of the wildcard series last year. You know, Now you have 
a guy you can count on in game two or game three. You have three starters right at the top who you know can take you consistently deep into games. And it takes pressure off the younger guys behind them too. So, it, you know, at this stage for the White Sox, you're going to have to give up something to get something. And that's what kind of happened in that deal to get Lance Lynn to give up Dane Dunning. Give me your wild guess or your thing that you, you think people should just like keep an eye out. This might happen. I mean, is there, is there somebody that you're hearing there? They got their eye on in the trade market or somebody free agent wise that you're like, this team is really calling uh, a few times here on this player. Like, is there something right now where you see any smoke at all around anybody? Well, I think it, it isn't exclusive to me, but I think a lot of people have talked about how Liam Hendricks, you know, is a target for the White Sox. And if you remember back to uh, game after game three last year in the wild card series, when Hendricks, you know, he struggled a little bit in game two, although I think he struck out five. And then he came back after throwing like 50 pitches in game two. And I believe struck out the side of the ninth inning to finish off the White Sox in game three. And he raved about the White Sox. He raved about the young talent they had. And I got, I mean, obviously I was told this secondhand from our uh, Oakland A's reporter, but he raved about what they had in their future. So it sounds like there's interest on his side too. But, you know, and then I would think like Jose Quintana, you know, the Sox know Jose Quintana. He is someone they developed. He's someone who they helped develop into a, you know, a a strong starting uh, pitcher who they were able to flip to get Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, you know, in a deal with the Cubs. And I would think that he's a guy, I haven't heard specifically that that's a target, but I would think he was a guy that could fit, you know, the, you know, starting for the Sox and then maybe actually moving in between the rotation and the bullpen if need be. So I think that's a couple names, but I mean, I'd keep an eye on the closer situation right now. Cause I think, you know, if they don't get Hendricks, I think they will go after someone else. One final question here for Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Ease my mind here. I know it's irrational. It's stupid. I'm worrying about it for no reason, but there are other White Sox fans that are doing the exact same thing. We remember Adam Eaton and the Drake LaRoche thing and the and the and all the craziness around that team before he left. I met Adam a few times. He was really nice to my kid. Like my right. my son Dominic's about to turn thirteen. He was pumped when he heard Adam Eaton was coming back. And I remembered <laughs> well, there you go. great things about Adam until that episode that occurred. But he does have a strong personality. People have said that. It seems to me like there's enough personality and enough leaders inside that clubhouse right now that Adam Eaton really can't come in and, and change the narrative or the dynamic of that clubhouse. Is that clubhouse strong enough now because we're adding new personalities in that have been in other places and had success? Is that clubhouse strong enough to be able to deal with an Adam Eaton? Yeah, and I've talked about it before. It's a little on the uh, the side of the Twins process they had gone, undergone a couple of years ago where they added guys like Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez, Martin Perez, Chris Crone, all guys who were veterans, quality guys, and guys who had won with other teams to bring in with the young core that the Twins have. And it served them well in the regular season, although it hasn't done a whole heck of a lot for them in the postseason. You know, I think Eaton's a different guy. I think we're all different people than we were four years ago, right, to some extent, just shaped by what life experience has had. You know, and I talked to him the day before he was officially announced. He talked about, you know, he's the father of two boys now. You know, it's a different feeling in his life. And the clubhouse is definitely different. And that's not taking anything away from a lot of the guys who were on that team in 16. Chris Sales, great dude, was on that team. Jose Abreu was on that team, obviously. But it's a different clubhouse. And remember also, Eaton was kind of a guy who had just signed the extension and kind of trying to live up to that extension, you know, that, that was that was agreed upon with him. And he was one of more or less one of the featured guys on that team. Now he comes in and doesn't have to be that. You know, he's one of many standouts or, you know, many contributors even if he's not an absolute standout on this team, you know, as part of this 2021 White Sox squad. So I think it'll be fine. I think, you know, he's a, he got an 803 OPS lifetime against right-handed hitting that at the very least 
you know, you have a combination of him and Adam Engel in right field. And at the most, you have an everyday, you know, right fielder who can really help you, especially against right-handed pitching, who, you know, has been a good defensive player out in right field. So, again, I think all those points coming together make it a – and also, by signing him, it adds them, you know, gives them a little more financial flexibility to complete this whole roster puzzle for the offseason. That's Scott Merkin from MLB.com. Scott, I want you to have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, overeat uh, because we all have to go on diets in 2021 for what we did to our bodies in 2020. And I hope very soon, and I continue to try to stay positive with the latest news coming out, that we will all get to be at a ball game with each other this coming season at some point. That would be great. And I just hope everyone who's listening, including you, Chris, who stays healthy. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy belated Hanukkah. And let's hope 2021 is a, is a darn sight better than 2020, right? Hey, honey, what's this? Village Batch Handcrafted Greek Goods. Three brothers, Southside-born, diehard White Sox fans, and they sent us a box of goodies. Ooh, what's that? Organic extra virgin olive oil. Oh, what's that over there? Raw organic honey. There's also balsamic vinegar, olives, sea salt flakes, organic dried herbs you can use in any of your recipes. These guys are great. All of their products are sourced directly from small scale family farms in the Arcadia region of Greece. They pay a premium for the crop, package, import, and self-distribute the products. And by doing that, they get a very fresh premium product without breaking the bank. And you're gonna love the olive oil. They don't filter it. That means more flavor. That means it has more health benefits. This sounds great. Where do we get more? They're at Pete's Fresh Market, Mariano's, over at County Fair Foods on Western. Now get 25% off all online orders using the promo code BASEMENT at villagebatch.com. Good to talk with Scott Merkin. I really appreciate it every time that he steps by. Ed, before we get out of here today, I want to talk about people that are in need around the holidays and something that all fans of Socks in the Basement can do. Charity is a very good thing. It's a very good thing. So here's what I would like for you to do, folks. And and you could do this in any amount that you want to, but let's, let's just say $5. Like, can you imagine if we had all of the listeners that we have for Socks in the Basement just give $5 to a good cause? That would be amazing. For a lot of charities, that kind of money, $5 from every one of our listeners, Yes, five do- that would make a huge difference to a lot of charities. Right. So if you could please place in an envelope $5 or a dollar, if you got a dollar, it'll work still, $5 in an envelope this week. Give what you can. Don't, don't make it hurt yourself. Just give what you can. Care of Socks in the Basement. That way they know where it all came from, from the listeners of Socks in the Basement. And please put the addresses 333 West 35th Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60616. Care of Jerry Reinsdorf, who's lost so much money because of COVID-19. And I don't know how he's going to be able to go out there and and go sign the proper free agents. I just want to make sure that we take care of Jerry this year. He doesn't have the money he used to have. He's very upset because there's an owner out with the New York Mets who makes far more money than he does. And this would probably bring a smile to his face. One dollar, five dollars, three thirty-three, West Thirty-fifth Street, Chicago, Illinois, six zero six one six. Send a care of the Socks in the Basement listeners to Jerry Reinstorf, so he can have a happy holiday season, and maybe, just maybe, sign Liam Hendricks. Amen. Merry Christmas, Chris. Merry Christmas to everybody out there, and give 
give to poor Jerry. <laughs> poor Jerry. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement.